You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. When a person is purposed in heart, it suggests so many things, but I want to reveal three things that the Lord gave me tonight. The first being the person is determined to move forward despite opposition. If you are purpose, you understand that it's going to be a fight sooner or later, but you're just determined to finish what you started. And if that takes fighting, so be it. Second thing is the person is dogged. A dogged person is steadfast or fixed in mind or heart. You're just determined mentally to battle whatever opposition comes to your thinking, your understanding, and so forth. How many would agree that as children of God, we are constantly going through battles in our mind, battles in reference to our belief, our trust, our faith, our reasoning, and so forth. Especially when you consider the fact that our God has told us, according to Philippians 2 and 5, that our mind needs to be as the mind of Christ. And one of the reasons he told us our mind needs to be as the mind of Christ is simply that Christ went through so many battles in reference to his mind. He was attacked by the devil, by demon spirits, as well as religious haters. But he kept his mind focused on the will of God. He was so determined in mind to where even when he was about to go through horrendous things, he still submitted himself to the will of God. He mentally said to the Father, not as I will, but your will be done. He made a mental decision knowing that he was going to be physically challenged from his crown to the sole of his feet. And as children of God or Christians, we have to be like-minded knowing that opposition is going to come, but we have to be dogged. We have to be fixed in our mind. We have to be fixed when what we see is saying that what God has promised is not going to happen. 
Oh, God, encourage somebody and just tell them you've got to be dogged in mind. you just got to be steadfast despite what's coming against your mind. The sickness is saying one thing, but you got to hold on to what God promised you. It will attack your mind. It will try to make you do something that is contrary to the will of God, but you got to stay focused. you got to stay where God has set a place you, despite what you may be going through again in your mind. Which brings me to the third thing. You have to be decided. You have to just make the decision that I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm going to do it no matter what because I know God has embedded in me a particular vision, a particular plan, and I'm not going to cease until I fulfill my purpose. I'm not going to stop until I do everything that he has ordained for me to do. You have to be decided. And how many know when when certain folk make decisions, they allow trouble or trials to detour them, or even cause them to change their mind. It's amazing how some saints will testify big time about what they're going to do. And they are run for a minute, but then allow something or somebody to stop them in their track, and they'll even start backing up, or they'll choose to go in a different direction. But tonight we have to be decided when it comes to the plan that God has ordained for our life. We have to be to the point to where we are going to stand on what God has told us to do. And I'm telling you, when you stand, you have to realize that there are going to be winds, there are going to be challenges, there are going to be obstacles that will try to come and blow you off your course, try to move you off your course, but you have to be determined to do what does saith God. Are you with me? Because we don't want to join the drawback crowd. We don't want to start going backward. We don't want to start doing that which is contrary to the will of God. We don't want to testify one thing, but in actuality we're doing something else. We don't want to become religious in our thinking. We don't want to become hypocritical in our actions. We want to make sure that we don't draw back into that which is opposed to the will of God. Even from a biblical standpoint, God does does not deal with folk that draw back. Notice, if you will, the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. And let me prove that. I know some of you already know the verse, but notice Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. Notice what the Hebrew writer recorded here. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Look at someone and tell them God does not want you to draw back. Oh, 
all, He does not want you to draw back. He does not want you to be a part of the crowd that gives in to tribulation. A part of the group that runs for a minute, but then they decide because things are not happening happening as fast as they desire that they're just going to do something else. Don't you join that crowd. Notice why. He has no pleasure in those that draw back. And understand, if God is not pleased with you, he is going to hold back the blessing. He's going to hold back the benefit. And and we can see that in Scripture. When he got displeased with Saul, he held back what he had for him. When he got displeased with Israel, he held back the promised land. He was so upset when Israel drawed back that he decreed out of his mouth that they would not enter the land of promise. And he meant what he said to them. He told them they would not enter and they did not enter. And get this, Israel realized that they were wrong and decided to go back to the man of God, even Moses, and tell him to tell God that that they had changed their mind and they were willing to repent and go into the land. But the Lord was so determined He was so fixed on what he had decreed to them to where he did not allow them to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. Go into a land where they would have had it made. Go into a land where they didn't have to work for this, that, or the other, but the Lord had already provided certain things. They missed all of that. Oh, God, look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to miss none of my blessings. Now, don't you dare say it if you don't mean it, but if you mean it, just get on your feet and tell two more folks, I don't want to miss none of my blessings. Oh, I don't want to miss none of my blessings. I I, I don't want to miss nothing that God has for me. Oh, God, I don't want to miss nothing. You can take your seat. I don't want to miss nothing that the Lord has for me. But again, Israel missed their blessings because they draw black. And again, if God is not pleased with you, he will hold back the blessings. That's the reason we need to make it our business to please our God. We need to make sure that he's happy with our worship, happy with our praise, happy with our giving, happy with all that we do. Because again, I don't want to miss anything God has for me. I want to make sure that I'm pleasing to him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even on the Lord's Day. I want to make sure I'm pleasing him when I'm going through trials, when I'm going through trouble, when I'm going through hard times. I want to make sure that I'm giving him all the glory, honor, and the praise. See, some of you, you're looking as if you can't afford to miss a blessing. I can't afford to miss a blessing. I need every single one of them. That's the reason every morning when I get up, I tell him, Lord, am I pleasing you? Or I ask him, Lord, am I pleasing you? Because I don't want to miss my daily benefits. I don't want to miss my Tuesday benefits, my Wednesday benefits. How many know he'll bless you every day if you please him? Oh, high five. Somebody announced him, did you receive your benefit yet? Did you receive this day's benefit yet? 
tell him if you had, it might be because you ain't been pleasing him. It might be because you ain't been giving him the glory. It might be because when he told you to pray, you didn't pray. He told you to clap, you didn't clap. It might be because you didn't make him happy. When you got up this morning, you were complaining. Instead of saying, this is a day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad therein. Oh, if you please him, he'll do something special for you. So we don't need to draw back. He does not have pleasure again in those that draw back. I just can't do it. I've got to be in the will of God. I've got to be in the will of God, not just for a minute, but I have got to be in the will of God for the long haul. And in order to do that, I have to be purposed. I especially have to be purposed to trust him. Because often when you're striving to fulfill the will of God, your trust in him goes through this, that, and the other. Now, when I talk about trust, I'm first of all concerned with us being faithful when it comes to living the way God told us to live. According to Romans, the first chapter and the 17th verse, he told us in the latter part that we are to live by faith, which is synonymous with the gospel. You know the good news that you hear every Sunday and every Wednesday from your pastor. You know the good news that comes forth from your mouthpiece that causes you to say amen, that causes you to wave your hand, that causes you to do a number of things. The gospel. And you know, of course, the gospel of faith comes from your man of God because that's what the Bible says in reference to faith. Even Romans 10 and 17, it says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. But then the 14th and 15th verse in Romans 10 decrees, but how shall they hear without a preacher? Tell your neighbor, I thank God. For my preacher. If I didn't have my preacher, I couldn't hear the word of God. If I didn't have my preacher, I wouldn't know how to live. I wouldn't know what to live by. Oh, some of y'all didn't say anything when I said that. You wouldn't know how to live on the job if you didn't have your preacher. You said, I can read my Bible for myself. No, that ain't how God ordained it again. Faith comes by hearing, not reading. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Oh, and you ought to be happy about your preacher because he's not a jack leg. He's not a so-called preacher. He's not a pseudo. He's not somebody that got their license through the mail. He's not somebody that's acting like he's been chosen, but he really ain't been chosen. You ought to be glad that Pastor Cochran is your pastor because there's a whole lot of folks that would love him to be their pastor. Look at somebody and tell them, I thank God for my preacher. Oh, I thank God for my preacher because he's not pseudo. He's not false. He is a sent preacher. Tell your neighbor he's a sent preacher. Oh, he's been anointed by God to do what he's doing. He's been anointed by God to say what he's saying. He's been anointed by God to hear what God is revealing. He's been anointed by God to impute a word into your spirit that will change your life for the better. 
Oh, you ought to high five somebody and tell them I know what he's talking about because my preacher helped me week in and week out. Oh, go ahead. You got a little while to brag on your preacher. Go ahead and brag on your preacher. Ain't nobody going to get mad but folks that hate anointed vessels. Go ahead and brag on your preacher. How many know it's a blessing to have an anointed preacher? You ought to turn in victory and say, I got an anointed preacher and I'm glad about it. The preacher helps you to live right. Because again, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And God has ordained for his people to live by faith. And so you got to come and hear the word. You just can't come on Sunday. You can be seated. You just can't come on Wednesday. You got to come whenever your preacher tells you you need to be there. If he's headed to Carrollton, to Thomaston, or somewhere else, you've got to follow your preacher so you can hear the word of God. Oh, are you listening to what I'm saying? Um, but when it comes to trusting the Lord, you have also got to be a person that has hope embedded on the inside of you. And when it comes to hope, you have to first understand, according to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the first verse, that hope is actually a part of faith. That verse says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Paul said in the book of Romans that a person should not hope for something that he or see, she sees, but that, that the people of God should hope for that which they see not. But if you're going to hope, you have to have some endurance. You have to have some purpose. You have to have some determination. You have to be dogged. You have to be decided if you're going to have some hope embedded on the inside of you. Tell your neighbor you can't hope just to say you're hoping. You have to hope because you have it embedded on the inside of you to hope. Because there are some troubles that will come to try to pull you loose from your hope. But when you have a dogged determination, you'll hold on to your hope despite the rain. You'll hold on to your hope despite the wind. You'll hold on to your hope despite demon spirit because you know your hope is a part of your faith and you have to hold on to what does say the word. Am I right about it? And so you have to have hope. You have to have it in the midst of your battle. You have to have it when you can't see no way out of your situation. You have to have hope when the doctor has given you a bad report. You have to have hope when you don't have a dime in your pocket. You have to hold on knowing that the God that told you to have faith or to have hope is going to do exactly what he said. Because God, according to Hebrews 11 and 6, honors faith or hope. I found somebody and tell them I got real hope. Oh, but don't you lie in church. If you ain't got it, don't you high five nobody. But you, if you have it, high five somebody else and tell them I got a real hope. Oh, I'm hoping for something that I really can't see. I'm hoping for something that the gang sales say I can't afford. I'm hoping for something that they're saying I can't have. But I got a picture of it because I'm believing God for it. I done walked around it because I'm believing God for it. I done wrote it down on paper. It's like a vision to me because I'm believing God for it. And God is going to bring it to pass because hope maketh not a shame if we're standing on the word of God oh will you encourage somebody and tell them keep on hoping in God because he won't let you down 
Tell him again, keep on hoping in God because he won't let you down. You know he won't let you down based upon 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 which decree all of the promises of God in him a yes and amen. He said hope and if you hope, he's going to fulfill his word. Am I right about it? Notice Psalms 119 and 147. Psalms 119 and 147. We're talking about trusting our God, having faith in our God. Notice Psalms 119, 147. I love this particular verse. What the writer said here. And I'm going to get you to help me read this verse. Are you ready? Psalms 119. Verse 147. Have you reached it? We're going to read that verse. Y'all ready? Read. Tell your neighbor when it seems like nothing is working out for you. It's time to cry out. It's time to cry out in a hurry. It's time to cry out quickly. And let the Lord know I hope in your word. Oh, God, just saying word makes me think about how good God is when it comes to hoping in his word. How many have ever hoped for the Lord to do something and the Lord turned around and blessed you real good? Oh, if that be the case, tell somebody hoping is not in vain. Matter of fact, get specific. Tell them hoping in the Lord is not in vain. Tell one more person hoping in the Lord is not in vain. It's not vanity. It's not useless. It works. Hope works. You say, but I've been looking. I've been waiting. I've been expecting so long and it ain't happened. I come to tell you tonight, keep the faith. Keep trusting God. He will come. He, he cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. He will do it. Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass, but not his word. Tell some folk, hope in the Lord. Say it a little louder, hope in the Lord. And whatever you do, don't give up. Whatever you do, don't give up. Don't stop hoping it will come to pass. I'm seeing folks on the deathbed, and the only word God gave me for them was keep hoping. And He raised them up. Why? Because hope will bring you through. Hope is part of trusting your God. But you have to be purposeful. To trust. You have to be purpose to hope. You have to be determined that you're going to hope despite what the paper says, despite what's going on in your mind, despite what people are saying, despite how you have seen failure after failure after failure, you still have to have hope. Who am I talking to? Tell your neighbor you still have to have hope. Because hope it's synonymous with trust. So I can't draw back. I've got to trust. 
And sometimes, even when a person that is purposed in his or her heart to trust God, that person still goes through challenges. To the point to where they feel like giving up. Throwing in the towel. When you feel as if you're ready to quit, it's time to sacrifice. It's time to sacrifice. Sacrifice in one sense has to do with the giving of something that is valuable or significant. In another sense, when it comes to sacrifice, it has to do with the person offering up to God that which he requires in order to release certain things that he has promised in his word. Sometimes you have to sacrifice in order to get your breakthrough. You're waiting and wondering how you can cause things to move forward. Sometimes it just simply takes a sacrifice giving of something valuable in the Old Testament when, when people were in need of particular things they would go to their farm go to their pasture and they wouldn't just get any old lamb a calf a ram they would get something special, first rate, something without a blemish. And they would bring that sacrifice back to the altar. And what they would do, the sacrifice would be killed by the priest. The priest would take the blood and he would put the blood on the altar. Then the priest would take the fat from the animal and burn the fat on the altar. And then the priest would do something that was very unusual but significant. The priest would take the rest of the sacrifice, saving the blood and the fat, and give it back to the person that offered up the gift. And the person in turn would take the gift along with the priest, cut it up and give the priest a portion. And the person would also take a portion. And then God himself would come down in the midst of the sacrifice and cause things to supernaturally begin to happen. 
and the person that offered the sacrifice would leave knowing that God had already did what he was requiring of the Lord. The person would leave by faith knowing that I have given the sacrifice. And because the sacrifice has been given, God in turn is going to do what he promised. Because God has always been a person that blesses one that sacrifices. He has always been one that requires a sacrifice in order for people to be abundantly blessed. Oh, you remember the one lamb that was sacrificed that caused a blessing that was so mighty to come forth for everybody. Even Jesus, the lamb of God, was sacrificed. And his sacrifice was so powerful. It was such a blessing that it affected the whole world. Moreover, some of us in here right now, we are be, we are blessed because of the sacrifice. You know if Jesus hadn't sacrificed himself, you would still be doing what? Oh God, you should have finished it. Let me try that one more time. You know if Jesus hadn't sacrificed himself, you would still be? Tell your neighbor, it's something about sacrificing that moves God. It's something about sacrificing that causes God to release blessings that are in actuality good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Matter of fact, ask somebody, when is the last time you offered up something to God? When is the last time you gave God a good old sacrifice? When is the last time you went to your bank account, got something that was important to you, got it out of there, came back to the house of God and laid it at the altar and say, Lord, here it is. Here is the sacrifice. Here it is. And God in turn turned around and blessed you real good. Do you know what I'm talking about? But when it comes to a sacrifice, it's important to understand a sacrifice in reference to what the psalmist says here in Psalms 4 and 5. Now now notice he, he specifically says here in Psalms 4 and 5, the first part, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. See, there are some folk that, that say they are sacrificing, but they're not. You know, I was going to use this for gas, so I'm sacrificing. Now, that ain't no sacrifice. Well, you know, I was going to go by rhymes, but I decided to sacrifice. That ain't no sacrifice. Rhymes ain't that valuable. You go and get that food everybody playing over. You may have been going to stop by the gas station and get $3 of gas. Enough to get you home. A sacrifice, again, is something valuable or highly significant. 
something that's extremely important to you. You know you have put back thousands. But you're needing God to move mightily for you. See, some of y'all ain't ready for this. Because you frown when I said that. He messing with my ad hole. He, he, he messing with my little account. But you have to reach back for something significant. I'm not telling you to be ignorant and just go get it to give it. What pastor said, do this and I'm going to go and do it. No, no. You have to be purposed in your heart to sacrifice. You have to be purposed, but, but you have to make sure when you're ready to sacrifice that you're not just going to give something and call it a sacrifice. Because some things that we call a sacrifice are just simply a general offering. Or you're giving a little more than you normally give. And that's the reason he is specific. Offer sacrifices of righteousness. He uses the Hebrew word zabak. For sacrifices. The word has to do with a sacrifice of blood, of flesh. And that was common in the Old Testament that they would offer up a blood sacrifice or flesh sacrifice. But see, in our day and time, it's not common for us to go and get a goat, a ram, or, or such, and bring it in here. Matter of fact, folk would think you, you, you're a little touched. If you got a calf on the altar and you, you pouring blood all on this nice carpet. Is that to say that God does not want a sacrifice of flesh? No. As a matter of fact, God does want a sacrifice in reference to flesh. But the sacrifice that God wants from us, first of all, is self or our body. Notice, if you will, Romans, the 12th chapter and the first verse. Now, Paul had to plead with the church, the sacrifice. Notice, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He had to plead with them to give themselves to God. Even though they were saved, being sanctified and spirit filled. He, he had to plead because the Roman church was to the point to where they were, if you will, blessed. They were blessed. The Lord had bountifully blessed them. 
And it's something about people that are doing well that they just get an attitude to where they think they can get at ease in Zion. Oh, y'all should have said amen. You know how some folks are when, when, when they're doing pretty good. For some reason or another, they feel as if they're not obligated to give God all the glory, honor, and the praise. You, you, you take folk before God blesses them real good, whether it's financially, through education, or something else. You, you take, they, they'll praise God, they'll magnify God, they, they'll go in their pocket and say, God, this is my last, and put it on the altar. But let them mess around and get blessed financially or get more knowledge than they ever had and somebody tell them that they are intelligent, smart and so forth. All of a sudden the person that used to give God their all starts missing church. Starts putting work before God. Bottom line, the person that used to sacrifice has suddenly drawn back. The person that used to be determined, the person that used to have a mind to do what does, says God despite what he or she went through, finally starts to pull back from the very one that blessed them bound to flip. The person of humility that, that finally got money running over, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. No longer dances before God who blessed them with the money. Why? Because they have gotten at ease in Zion. I got to move on, but tell your neighbor, I don't care how blessed you become. Don't you ever stop giving your God the glory. I don't care if you got a million sitting up in two or three banks. Don't you ever get to the point to where you won't let go and let God have his way. I don't care if God blesses you with a car for every day of the week and he blesses you with houses in every state. You still give your God the praise. You still give your God that which is due to his name. The Hebrew writers seen that the Hebrew people had gotten so settled, he told them that they need to offer unto God a sacrifice of a praise. We never need to get to the point to where somebody has to tell us to praise God. Somebody has to tell us to wave our hand, to dance, to turn in victory. We should come in the church giving God the glory. We should come in the church not looking to see if the band here and that determines whether or not we're going to dance. We should come in knowing that we're going to dance even if nobody has a tambourine. Even if nobody sings a song, we still going to give God the praise due to his name. Oh, God, ask your neighbor, are you like that? Will you praise him anyhow? Will you praise him anyhow? If you'll praise him anyhow, I dare you to praise him right now. If you'll praise him anyhow, I dare you to praise him right now. How many understand what I'm talking about? You got to be ready to sacrifice whether it's a praise, whether it's an offering or something else. You got to be ready to give God a sacrifice. 
Nobody should have to beg you to give him a sacrifice. But notice again here in the text, Paul has to plead with them. Notice he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. You ain't got to tell me to put my arms up high and give God the glory. You ain't got to tell me to stomp my feet or to lift my knees high. You ain't got to tell, tell me to glorify God just because I'm going through it in my body. I'm going to praise him anyhow. But he had to tell the church. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. They should already know they need to be holy in body. When you look at the passage. In one sense it's sad. And that's how I'm presenting it tonight. He has to plead with them to sacrifice themselves. And no doubt, there were alcoholics in the Roman church. Why in the world somebody got to plead with you to sacrifice? And he got you off the oil. (laughs) You knew you were on the oil. You knew you couldn't turn it loose. Oh, God, some of y'all in here tonight, quiet. You done told everybody you've been in the chat save all your life. Now, come on, come on clean tonight. They could have called you the east side whore. You were so whorish. And now, somebody got to plead with you. To sacrifice for God. Oh, God. Pastor asked for you to give and offer you. I can't believe he asked for that. You used to give the dope man all you had. Pastor say empty out. I can't believe the pastor asking for all that. You would scrape, beg, and steal. The gift to the dope man. And now when the man of God asks you to sacrifice, you want to get mad at him. Tell your neighbor, you need to be as purpose in the church as you were when you were a sinner. You know how purpose you were to get high. How many used to get high? Don't be ashamed tonight. Were you purpose to get high? You didn't wait on no man to find you. You went and found your own man. Why? You were purpose. I ain't going to be alone tonight. I'm going to. Now you got a man that wants you, want to love you the way you need to be loved, and you won't even come and see him. Who are you talking about? Jesus. He'll love you the way you've never been loved. Treat you the way you've never been treated. Do you better than your sugar daddy used to do you. But you won't show up. Not willing to sacrifice. I'm tired. Everybody else is too. 
That means you're tired. You better come on. If you have to drag yourself, come on. There's a blessing in it for you. You'll be surprised, folks, that laid out of church and missed their blessing. They had been praying for months that God do a particular thing and God was going to do it on that particular ser- at that particular service, but they didn't show up and so they missed their blessing. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service? Look at your neighbor and say, God wants you. All of you. He wants your body. He wants your, he wants your arms in church, your feet in church. He don't want you to come and sit. He wants you working in his church. I don't have, you do have time. Leave the job going to get high. You weren't thinking about going home. Now you come much you got to be at, be at the house. And leave the job and come to the church. How many used to leave the job and go get high? Man, we used to leave and just stop by, stop by this old store and just get us a 12 pack. And sometime we, we, sometime it'll be an all night high on a Monday. Go to work the next day on no sleep. Smoke a joint for you, for you, for you punch in. They help you stay. Help me. <laughs> and now talking about, you know, I gotta go hot. My body is telling me I need to go do such and such. But God wants you to realize that your body is valuable to him. And don't act as, don't, don't think I'm crazy. Don't know that you, your body does need rest. I understand that. But some of us, we always make excuses when it comes to our body. And God is saying, sacrifice. Sacrifice. And see, you can't really do what the second verse suggests, which is a mental sacrifice, until you're willing to give your body. But when a person that says, I'm going to give God my body, then secondly, Notice Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I got to give my body, then I've got to be transformed in my mind. Why? Because it's going to take my mind in conjunction with my body 
in order to fully serve God the way I need to serve him. It's going to take my body in conjunction with my mind if I am to be purposed to trust God in the manner that I should. Most of all, when, when, when I do this, I have reached the point to where God looks at me and looks at my sacrifice and he says, it's a sacrifice of righteousness. She's not playing. She's not doing it because the pastor said it. She's not doing it because folk are getting on her nerve. He's not giving because somebody is begging him to do it or pleading with him to do it. He's doing it because he recognizes that he needs to sacrifice. Because if somebody has to plead with you to sacrifice, that's the only time you'll do it. And in actuality, it's not a righteous sacrifice. It's a sacrifice based upon what somebody has said. Even though I'm telling you to give your, your body, even when you're tired or even when you don't feel like it, you just can't do it just because I'm telling you to do it. You have to be purpose in you and, and see that what he is saying is not him, it's Bible. And because it's Bible is right, and because is right, I need to do it. Not just because I'm saying it, but because you see it in the word for yourself. Because I know how it is when folks start doing, when somebody tells them to do it, they'll do it for a minute. But if the person does not stay on top of them, telling them to do this, that, and the other, they'll soon stop. And tell your neighbor, we need to be so purpose when it comes to sacrificing. Nobody has to tell us to do so. I said nobody has to tell us to do so. And when you sacrifice, understand, it's going, it's going to take something. And it's going to pull energy out of you. It's going to pull energy out of you when you sacrifice. When you sacrifice, you will be attacked by demon spirits. You sacrifice financially, the enemy will constantly tell you that you're not going to receive what God promised. When you sacrifice your time, the enemy will tell you you were doing better off. You were doing better off when you were doing such and such. You can't listen to that. That's the reason back in Psalms 4 and 5, notice he concludes the verse by saying, after you have offered the sacrifice of righteousness, put your trust in the Lord. Because again, a sacrifice requires something. You've given the 20,000. Now you got to trust God for the promise. You've emptied out yourself. In prayer, you've sacrificed your body for an hour or so on the altar for other folk. You've been making intercession for them. Now comes the time when you get up that you're going to feel what you have released on the altar. But you have to be prepared for everything. But don't worry. Because your sacrifice 
Don't challenge it. In the end, as I said earlier, will cause God to release the blessings. It'll cause him to release the blessings. I've seen it time and time again. The first time I ever put $25,000 on the altar, I said, Lord, I ain't never put no money like this on the altar. And Lord, you know what I desire and what I need. It took six months. But in six months, what I had put the money down on the altar, believing God for, it manifested. Isn't that a blessing? Y'all ought to be happy for me. Come on, give the Lord a clap for it. You say, what was it? I ain't going to share that tonight. I won't share it tonight. But let me tell you something. When you sacrifice, again, it's going to be a challenge. But in the end, the blessing is going to come, is going to come forth. You remember when Jesus sacrificed his body? Forty, forty days. Right after that came the challenge. The Spirit say, go into the wilderness. For what? To be tempted by not demons, the devil. The challenge came after the sacrifice. He trusted God. That's what it was all about, trusting God in that wilderness. If you be the son of God, the devil said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And challenge him again and again. But Jesus constantly trusted God and exemplified it in speaking and hoping in his word. And finally, when the tempting was over, the Bible says he went into the city of Jerusalem in power. Finally, he reached the church and opened up the scripture. And he began to read what one of the prophets had said about himself. And when he, when he had read what the scripture said, that being the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, not, he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And he mentions to who, as well as to do other particular acts of God. Then when he closed the book, he said this right here, this day. The scripture is fulfilled in your ears. When, did, when was it fulfilled? He sacrificed. He was challenged. And then fulfilled. Or he received the blessing. It's the same order because we are Christians. Christ-like. We sacrifice. We, ch we are challenged. And then the blessing comes. When you look at that same portrait of Jesus in Luke 4. When you picture it, when you look at that picture, it's actually a portrait of your thing. Jesus went into that 
went into that wilderness purposed, purposed to trust the Lord despite the devil. And when he came out of it, he was blessed for it. How many tonight you're going to be purposed to trust the Lord? And you know it's going going to require sacrifices. Let me see the man. Don't put him down yet. Look around you. Hallelujah. We give God praise. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.